0: Social Impact CX, the podcast that helps you drive mission and make a difference with customer experience. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Social Impact CX podcast. I'm John Corrigan, and I'll be your guide to how you can drive mission and achieve social impact with customer experience work. This is episode 15 of Social Impact CX. And again, thanks for listening. In episode 14, I said that I was grateful for Feedback Labs in Washington, D.C. Episode 14 was the first part of my conversation with Megan Campbell of Feedback Labs, and episode 15 is the second part of that conversation. So today, I'd like to say that I'm grateful for not only Feedback Labs, but for Feedback Labs putting together their annual event called the Feedback Summit. Over the past few years, the Feedback Labs team has put on this event where they focused on the power of feedback loops Specifically in philanthropic and nonprofit environments, and they've addressed how if you're going to be most effective in accomplishing or advancing your philanthropic or nonprofit mission, then getting feedback and implementing what they refer to as closed feedback loops is critical. Past feedback summits have focused on feedback being the right thing to do, the smart thing to do, the feasible thing to do, and the powerful thing that you can do. I'm recording this episode in September 2018, and on October 4th and 5th this year, Feedback Labs will be putting on the next Feedback Summit in Washington, D.C., and this year they'll be focusing on how feedback should be the expected thing to do. I'm looking forward to attending Feedback Summit 2018, and I'd suggest you head over to FeedbackLabs.org, the website, to find information about the 2018 Feedback Summit. And I believe that they also have some info uh, from past Feedback Summits as well. So here in Episode 15, I'll pick up my conversation with Megan Campbell, who is Director of Research, Learning, and Engagement at Feedback Labs. We're talking about the report that came out a couple months ago and that is titled, Under What Conditions is Information Empowering? In researching and publishing the report, Megan and the team at Feedback Labs partnered with the good people at both Omidyar Network as well as global giving. Omidyar Network believes that business can be a powerful source for good, and they invest in entrepreneurs who share a commitment for advancing social good. They're, they're a fascinating organization doing great work. I, I, if, you're, if you're not familiar with them, you should check them out. And then Global Giving works to connect nonprofits, donors, and companies around the world to help local nonprofits access the funding, tools, training, and support they need to be more effective. Also, it's, it's interesting that Global Giving, along with the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, provided seed funding for Feedback Labs back in 2013 to get the whole thing rolling. Of course, both Global Giving and Hewlett Foundation in general uh, are also doing great work. So let's get back to my conversation with Megan Campbell, talking about the seven principles of what makes information empowering, and then some takeaways as well. Uh, And a reminder that if you're interested in reading the report, it's a good read. There are illustrations and great examples. It's very well organized and presented in a way that is easy to digest and understand. Uh, The report is available online to download at feedbacklabs.org, their website. So here we are picking up from where we left off in episode 14 with Megan Campbell. Principle four is vivid narratives persuade. Tell us
1: more about mm. that. Well, this one, this I think is one of the principles that gets the, the strongest reaction um, from people who read the report because I think they really feel how it's true for themselves even. Um, and so Vivid Narratives Persuade is basically saying, okay, if reinterpretation is power, what is it that's going to motivate someone to reinterpret information? and this principle really says, you know, narratives and emotional narratives and compelling explanations are a huge factor in terms of um, motivating someone to reinterpret information in an empowering way. Interesting. Yeah. And, and so there and there's some great studies cited in this um, principle, but one that I think really um, brings the point home was there was a... Um, a study done by um, Nyan and Reifler in 2012, it might have been a little earlier than that, Um, but basically they told their um, study participants that there was a fire in a warehouse in which there were flammable chemicals that were improperly stored. And so those participants obviously assumed that the fire was caused by the chemicals. And so then some of the participants were told, oh, no, no, it wasn't, there were actually um, no flammable chemicals in the warehouse. So you would think they would update the information that they had, they would reinterpret it, right? But in fact, no, they remained, even after they um, received a fact that should have caused them to reinterpret information, they still continued to think, that the fire was caused by flammable chemicals, even though they'd been told there were no flammable chemicals in the warehouse. So just receiving that fact was not enough for them to reinterpret the information. But when people were given an alternative narrative and they were said, actually, you know, the fire was caused by arson, that's when people were like, oh, okay, and they updated their understanding of the situation. They reinterpreted the situation. But it required, seemed to require that they actually be given an alternative narrative, an alternative explanation. Just being given a fact didn't lead people to the same conclusion. That's
0: interesting. So, so why do you think This has produced uh, the strongest reactions, as you said, uh, amongst all the principals.
1: I think that more and more we're seeing the power of stories in our own lives. You know, everyone who's like stopped and watched an Upworthy video on Facebook Mm -hmm. or, you know, I think. I think more and more in our professional lives and in our personal lives, we're understanding that telling a story is really important and really difficult to do. Um, And so I think that a lot of people who read this report are wondering, how can I make my work compelling? Um, How can I make the things that I'm learning spread and, and make them important to other people? And they're looking to stories and narratives uh, and emotional narratives as a way to do that. And so I think that people are really primed um, to, to understand why this is important, especially because I think a lot of, you know, those of us who work in the social space have had many, many years of, you know, wandering, shouting in the wilderness, trying to make other people care about the work we're doing. And running, you know, running up against that not working very well, and so I think people are really thirsty for um, a a way that they can make what they're doing compelling and influential, and uh, and I think stories are and narratives are a great way to do that.
0: That's very interesting. I think it's uh, interesting that I think there's a relationship, at least I interpret a relationship with this principle for of vivid narratives persuade with principle two of reinterpretation is power, the um, uh, way to reinterpret and provide context, um, but to put it in an all-important story, as you bring up, um, and and you're spot on, I think, uh, is is really important. And then being aware that that is the context that uh, you should strive to achieve, I think is, uh, I think it's really great to, to pull all that out.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know another um, case study that's in this section that I just love is um, talks about the fact that who is telling the story really matters and so um, so the same researchers oh no different researchers sorry um, Adam Berinsky uh, at MIT looked at um, how do we uh, correct rumors and they you know, they had uh, study participants who were given a rumor about um the Affordable Care Act, and it and when they got a correction about the rumor from um a Democrat, people were less likely to um to let go of the rumor than when they got a correction from a Republican source. And the suggestion is that um, getting a getting a narrative from an unexpected source who you don't think stands to profit from the narrative they're telling you is actually far more effective in terms of correcting rumors or getting people again to update or reinterpret the information that they already have.
0: That is a fascinating finding. That's really interesting. So especially Mm -hmm. in the, in the broader context of lots of things going on today, that's very interesting. Absolutely. All right. Principle five of the seven principles is information must rise above the noise. Um, Tell us Mm -hmm. a little bit about that.
1: So information must rise above the noise basically says that, okay, it's, it's a bit of a cautionary tale. Like, okay, principles one through four sound really great. You know, we just need to leverage the social bonds that people have and um, induce them to reinterpret information by meeting their demand and, you know, um, giving them vivid, compelling emotional narratives. But hang on a second. That all takes time and effort. You know, the act of reinterpreting information is um, the act of empowering yourself is Takes effort, and it's competing for time and attention with all the other things that we all have going on in our lives. And so, if we want information to be empowering, um, we have to we we have to help that information outcompete all the other distractions and causes and choices that are um, competing for our time and attention. And you know this in this um, principle, we go into the fact that you know people are very bad multitaskers, and uh, in fact, it looks like technology doesn't help us be better multitaskers, despite what we might think. So, if empowerment is built via dialogue, and dialogue takes time and effort, then we have to help people um, give time and effort to it for empowerment to really happen.
0: Breaking through and being heard is actually, I think, it requires a lot more work than what people. Um, consider. hmm so. Absolutely. Interesting. Any examples on um, this principle about information rising above the noise that you want to touch on?
1: Well, so this is where we look at Facebook. And, you know, you talk to people about this report and information and empowerment and they say, great, what about Facebook? <laughs> it's like one of the number one questions that we, we all we've all heard. And so, and Facebook is interesting because as we all now know, Um, it uses algorithms to help certain kinds of information rise above the noise for certain people and other kinds of information rise above the noise for, for other people. And it creates, you know, what um, Eli Pariser called filter bubbles, right? Where you increasingly exist in a personalized information ecosystem on Facebook and in other social media um, in which the information that is being sort of raised above the noise by the algorithms in the background is based on your ideological and social group preferences. Um, And that can probably feel pretty good because you're getting information that that you like and that you agree with. Um, But, you know, but going back to principle two, reinterpretation is power and reinterpretation via conversation and dialogue is power. So if, we have information rising above the noise for different people that doesn't really interact. Um, are we taking away the opportunity for conversation and dialogue to happen?
0: I think that's really, imp- you know, what's interesting is that, so I've gone into my Facebook profile and what's interesting is that they've got a couple things wrong on me. And I think it's because of friends and family and other people who I associate with. And it's just so interesting and i'm someone who's been involved in the space for a number of years now but you know i don't think everyone really is aware of how that how those narratives end up being shaped and then also for somebody who and for our listeners here at social impact cx if you're trying to introduce or shape a narrative or and get your story out realizing you know how these filters are impacting the people that you're trying to reach is—it's a really interesting conundrum. I'm—I don't know that we have all the answers about um, how to how, how to go about doing your work there. Um, uh, and I think—and it's such a dynamic environment too. I—I I think this is going to be a topic. Um, how you rise above the noise, I think, is a topic that we will be talking about for really quite some time moving forward.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely.
0: All right. So principle six, incentives and repetition cement new behaviors, which I love that you included repetition here because I personally think that's a really important topic. But um, tell us about uh, principle six.
1: Mm -hmm. So principle six is basically saying, okay, great. You've You've provided someone with information they in a compelling way, and they've reinterpreted it, and they've you know made a choice for themselves and and when we say empowerment, it's worth saying you know we um, have we used for this report um, Omidyar Network's definition of empowerment, which is someone's ability to um, perceive, make, and act on a choice I and so with that principles
0: that was hmm? great that you included their, their definition of that I, I really appreciate that when I heard that before.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, principle six is really talking about that that last part, the acting on a choice. And so, you know, someone has perceived a choice, they've made a choice. Um, now they're acting on it, and principle six just recognizes that for someone to turn that action into a habit or um, a, a long term um, thing that they that they do, um, that actually takes it still takes repetition and incentives. And so, those are still important to to empowerment aims um, because as someone decides you know this is something I want to do or or this is a choice I want to make how do we then help them turn that choice into a, a long-term habit
0: I I think that's great and that point about repetition that I like so much is that you know anybody who tries to establish themselves on a Twitter or Facebook or anywhere on social media yeah, you know, frequency of posting is as important as what you're posting sometimes. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think people in the social impact or nonprofit sector, it takes a lot of work to get your information together to post in that, but it's really important to understand that you're not done um just when you have that piece of work completed with what you're saying and that you get it out there once or twice. Um understanding repetition. And, uh, and how that can help you break through to your audience, I think is, is really important, um, at, at least from my perspective. And I think it's, in a, it's a subject that, I, from just from my experience in engaging with different nonprofits, um, I think it's missed sometimes. So I was, and the idea of incentives too, which can take on many different flavors depending upon what you're doing and, and who you're trying to work with, I think is interesting too. Um, do you have any examples you want to talk about for uh, principle six?
1: well the the case study that we that we highlight here is about um, uh, drug um, uh, drug resistance education in the US And you know you say that this this point can get missed and I think it took you know nearly three decades for um, for the U.S. to change from lecture-based, you know, drugs will kill you, drugs are bad, don't do them, kind of interventions to um, to interventions that were really focused on young people practicing and repeatedly practicing good decision making when it came when it came to drugs, um, and so you know, I think we can all picture those lecture-based, probably pretty ineffective, um, uh, you know sitting through someone telling you something, telling you that you shouldn't do drugs, Um, the U.S. eventually switched to a new curriculum um, called Keeping It Real, and it, um, it it over multiple years asks students to basically practice a variety of strategies that they can use to avoid taking drugs. And it's, you know, really seems to be that, that practice over, over many years, um, that seems to help, and so it's repetition, it's practice, it's actually, it's actually doing it, as opposed to just being told about it, that seems to make the difference. Interesting,
0: yeah, and so also you get to behaviors, which of course is related to empowerment, um, so. Mm
1: -hmm. so. Yeah, so, um,
0: so Megan, Principle 7 is certainly contains, I think, some of the most interesting wording of all. I was really glad to see this concept here. Ice cream melts. Why don't you tell us a little yeah. bit how you came up with the, um, with the title for Principle 7 of Ice Cream Melts and then what that means.
1: So the title is all credit to Jim Manzi, who is founder and partner of Foundry.ai and was a uh, member of our advisory board and Jim, for uh, for many years, has helped um, retailers uh, figure out how they can um, how they can serve their customers better, and you know, using things like A/B testing, where you give you know two customers. Uh, two different options. So maybe someone sees a red dress and someone sees a blue dress and you see, you know, are people preferentially choosing the blue dress over time? Okay, great. Then we should be offering more blue dresses or, you know, we might change the background of our website or um, the lighting of our store and see if it makes a difference to how we're serving our customers. And so we were in an advisory board meeting and we were talking about this concept and it was generating a lot of excitement and a lot of interest. And, you know, it seems so powerful. Right. And, and Jim says, yeah, but hold on. I mean, ice cream melts. And yes, people might preferentially buy the blue dress over the red dress, but not for all time. That strategy of offering the blue dress is not going to work you know, ad nauseum for the rest of time, it's going to degrade over time and over context. And so you constantly have to be finding new strategies. You can't just hit on one and expect it to uh, to stay valid forever. Ice cream is going to melt.
0: I think that's, that's a great, you brought up A-B testing, which comes from the world of website design and user testing, user experience work lots of times it's really important to understand that context. Um, and, and it's a living, breathing thing. Anybody who tells you um, about, what, uh, about this type of work, they, they understand that um, uh, you don't just test once and then move forward. You need to continuously understand what people are responding to. So um, I love that you included that, that concept of A-B testing in here. Um, are there examples about ice cream melting that, that you'd like to share?
1: yeah so a really powerful example I think has to do with the Arab Spring, and this is a case study we include and actually the you know the case study illustrates a lot of the principles at play so um, you know social media and social social bonds were very important in terms of um, in terms of the sharing that happened at the beginning of the arab spring um, you know, the reinterpretive dialogue on social media was very powerful. There were really vivid narratives, and in particular, vivid um, uh, visuals and pictures that were used that really sparked uh, a lot of um, a lot of outpouring and and uh, and um, demonstration. Um, but we we cite um, Zainab Tufekci and and her book um, Twitter and Tear Gas. In the case study, where she argues that um, the social media sharing that um, that sparked a lot of um, the protests that put, you know, immense pressure initially on governments, didn't encourage necessarily the practice that was needed to strengthen the muscles of the movement. So, you know, social media sharing, you get a big bang for your buck right off the bat, right? Sure. And so you're not necessarily having to do the hard organizing work that creates um, a really resilient movement. And so again, speaking to repetition and practice, building, building habits. Um, and so when um, governments pushed back and as they changed tactics to fight back, um, we saw you know, the Arab Spring give way to the Arab Winter Clearly the, you know, clearly the initial um, tactics that the protests took needed to change, they, they melted away, right? And so new ones uh, would have been needed to sort of sustain that progress.
0: Very interesting, yeah. Um, okay, well that, that is fascinating, and the concept of timeliness and stay, understanding how things change and what you need to be able to do to stay current to sustain momentum and change, in that I think is uh, is a very relevant concept, and uh, I think it's great that that is, is principle number seven. All right. So, if you if you if you were recapping for somebody who is looking at this report, you know how how would you describe then? You know how you better understand the conditions for information to become empowering.
1: Yeah, I think the you know the the real top line of the report, if you're gonna remember two sentences, is you know, information doesn't empower on its own. Yeah. So that's really important if you're if you're in the information provision field, first of all, it's not gonna empower on its own. And rather it's the act of reinterpreting information that is empowering. And that act is driven by social and emotional factors. And that's that's really what the report is saying. And you know, the principals dive into those social and emotional factors. They dive into how they work, and, you know, do they work across time and space, not always. But that's really that's really what um, what you need to remember from the report. Information doesn't empower on its own. The act of reinterpreting information can be empowering. And that act is driven by social and emotional factors, and you know that if you can remember that and you take a look at the the really excellent illustrations that the report has, that's yeah. that's pretty much it.
0: That is, that is true, and we should point that out. There's pictures. There are some great illustrations. Um, uh, um, so where, where then do you think? And this is just one of the things that kind of I, one of my takeaways. Where do you think? Persistence lies. How important is persistence in this overall concept of making information empowering?
1: Hmm. I think that we that persistence is is clearly very important, and being compelling is even more important. and And the reason I say that is I think that there's pretty widespread recognition that you know open data movements open government movements um, information provision movements have had a bit of a a little bit of a if we build it or if we make it open they will come yeah. kind of mentality and if we just you know release the data set with more fanfare or you know more you make it more widely available um, that people will use this information to empower themselves and I think that kind of persistence is, is maybe not warranted, uh, unless we're also thinking about what are the social and emotional factors that we're going to hit on that are really going to compel someone to want to use that information to empower themselves. And if we have savvy guesses about the social and emotional factors and we're being really sensitive and... Um, sensitive to those and, um, and, and trying things out around those, then I think persistence becomes really important. But, but only when we're being persistent in terms of really addressing what people want and the social and emotional factors that speak to them.
0: I think those social and emotional factors are very important context to, uh, to persistence. I, I, I think those, uh, that, those are great comments on that. So, um, so Feedback Labs, in a broader context, I know you guys talk about um, uh, beneficiary feedback becoming, you know, an expected thing. To, um, how do you think that idea ties to this report?
1: It's hmm. a really, really good question. I mean, in the past, the Feedback Labs Network has talked about feedback being the right thing to do, that morally and ethically, it's the right thing to listen to the people that we're trying to serve. Um, We've talked about it being the smart thing to do, that um, when you listen and respond to feedback, it can lead to better outcomes. Um, We've talked about it being the feasible thing to do, that it's actually feasible to listen and respond to people at scale in really large or really small organizations. Um, And yeah, and now, you know, for example, at our Feedback Summit coming up in October 4th and 5th in Washington, um, D.C., we're talking about.
0: For our listeners, I will post uh, uh, information on the Feedback Summit coming up in October, uh, along with this podcast as well, too. I think it's a great event I'm attending this year. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have you, and it's a fantastic event. Um, you know, so we'll be exploring feedback as the expected thing to do, and how do you really make it the new normal to um, listen and respond to people? And I think that we'll be bringing in themes of you know, three themes that we think are really essential to making feedback the expected thing. And one is um, the incentives, the carrots and sticks that actually lead an organization to um, listen to and respond to the people that they seek to serve. The second is the collaborative leadership that is uh, necessary for, um, for feedback to really take off and um, and to become the expected thing. You know, we can't just be working in, in silos. And then the third theme is really equity. And, you know, for feedback to be the expected thing and to really make the difference that we want to see in people's lives, we need to really be grappling with issues of equity and inclusion and making sure that, you know, we're listening to feedback from, from everyone and in particular, the most marginalized. And I think as we think about how to uh, catalyze and support um, collaborative leadership, how we think as a community, how we can grapple with issues of equity and inclusion. I think a lot of the same themes from this report become um, really important. You know, what are the what are the social bonds we're creating between people in the feedback movement? Um, what are the conversations that we're facilitating that help us reach new conclusions um what are the you know what are the demands that people have who's demanding that their feedback be listened to and 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 that their information be heard and how do we how do we meet that demand um what are the stories that we tell ourselves as um as a feedback community that are going to really um spark the collaboration and the creativity and the ambition um, that we want to see. And so I think that, you know, as, as I said at the beginning, in some ways it was a super broad question and we looked at just, you know, so many hundreds of papers and examples and came up with principles that hopefully are, are, are sharp and pithy and also sort of encourage that kind of reflection. Like, okay, for the goal that I have, and uh, for the context I'm in, what what do vivid narratives look like? What vivid narratives do I need to think about? What does reinterpretation look like? And so I think you know definitely looking at the feedback field and feedback labs as network, um, I can you know I find the principles helpful to say okay yeah like as we are trying to, to encourage collaborative leadership, what what stories are we telling? Let's think about that. Let's talk about that. What reinterpretation are we um, encouraging? Uh, and so, hopefully, other people, you know, in totally different fields, will look at these principles and find something that sparks, you know, a useful reflection or a useful uh, new idea for for their work.
0: I think that's great. I, I think that's a great way to wrap up our our conversation. Before we're done, I would like to say those those three themes you brought up are, I think, they're all great. Um, I'm I'm really uh, applaud you guys for. Um, bringing focus to the third theme of equity and inclusion. Um, uh, I think it will be very interesting to explore that subject as well too. I think that's a great interest to the people that are tuning in to uh, the social impact CX podcast as well too. So, but, um, and you guys are going to explore more of that at the feedback summit is uh, I think something really to look forward to. Absolutely. All right. So, um, so let's bring it to a close here. We know that we can find, everyone listening, you can find the report at the feedbacklabs.org website. Uh, and you, if you find them on Twitter, if you check out the hashtag InfoPower, that's I-N-F-O-P-O-W-E-R um, uh, on Twitter, you'll find that. Are there other places on social media that people should be checking, Megan?
1: I'd say f- follow at feedback labs um, or at Global Giving or at Omidyar network. Um, but you know the hashtag and the website are really the best ways to to find it.
0: That is great. Um, uh, anything else you'd like to say in a kind of closing comment?
1: Just that you know, as I said, I think that these are These are principles that are really only useful insofar as they're used and insofar as someone looks at them and and sees what they spark for their work and and what, you know, reflections or ideas they come up with. So really encourage people to interact with them, um, to, you know, make suggestions about like, where does this work need to go next? You know, what are the questions that we should be asking after this? Um, cause I, by no means is this, you know, the book is closed on this topic. I think there's so much richness there to explore.
0: I would agree. All right. Well, thank you, Megan Campbell of Feedback Labs. Um, I appreciate your time and I appreciate this fantastic report and I hope everyone uh, downloads it and checks it out.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. Good deal. Thank you. Thank you. This is social impact CX podcast episode 15. And that was the second part of my conversation with Megan Campbell, the Director of Research, Learning, and Engagement at Feedback Labs in Washington, DC. Part one of my conversation with Megan about the report, Under What Conditions is Information Empowering? can be found in Social Impact CX episode 14. I really enjoyed my conversation with Megan and I think Feedback Labs is doing some fascinating work. Again, you can download the report titled Under What Conditions is Information Empowering? which was released in summer of 2018, from the Feedback Labs website, feedbacklabs.org. And at the website, you can also check out information about their Feedback Summit event. The next one is taking place in October 2018 as I record this. As I've said before, Social Impact CX is also intended to be an interactive forum, a place to stir conversation, answer questions, provide some context, definitions, hopefully achieve a better understanding of customer experience work especially in a social impact or nonprofit environment. So what questions do you have after listening to my discussion with Megan? You can ask a question or make a comment at Social Impact CX a couple different ways. First, you can send an email to comment at socialimpactcx.com, that's C-O-M-M-E-N-T at S-O-C-I-A-L-I-M-P-A-C-T-C-X dot com. You can also find us on Twitter and post a question there. Our Twitter handle is at Social Impact CX. And please follow us on Twitter to stay up to date with new podcasts and other related content. You can also find me on Twitter myself at the handle at JF Corrigan. Or if you're listening to this podcast via YouTube, feel free to post a question in the comment section and we'll do our best to catch you there. And while you're at YouTube, please subscribe to the Social Impact CX channel. This is John Corrigan reminding you that especially in social impact work, It's important to understand that your mission is really all about someone else's journey. And the more you know about someone's journey, the more you can help. Thanks for listening to Social Impact CX.